Okay, good morning, everybody. Let's get on to our scripture. This time, I'm going to be radical. Let's go to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 1 to all the way to verse 8. Let's just read it and we'll talk, all right? Let's read it. The revelation of Jesus Christ, verse 1, which God gave him to show his servant the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, verse 2, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. Verse 4, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace for, from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirit who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn, firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves, who loves us and has freed us from our sins, by his blood, and made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierce him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. Verse 8. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Yes, it is the book of Revelation. You bet. Well, why the book of Revelation? Let me say, let me explain a little bit. Revel the book of Revelation is part of the, the literature that, that is called the uh, apocalyptic literature. And this style of writing, the apocalyptic literature, is not just Revelation, but in the Old Testament also, uh, it's there. So it is both Old and Old Testament and New Testament uh, genre. It is the kind of literature that is filled with imageries, and it is written when times uh, and things look really black, and it seems like evil has or evil seems to have the upper hand. So it's, it's meant to encourage the people. That's what the book of Revelation is. And obviously, I've arrived to, to this study of this book. I spent months actually looking at different views and different opinions from, from uh, different, different writers, different theologians on this book because it is a controversial book in many and and the most misunderstood book so i try to draw from different opinions so i started last year i spent months doing it and of course it happened because especially uh 2000 actually 2000 yeah last year we it's uh 2020 uh it was a, a hard time and and it marked by all kinds of stuff the COVID-19 worldwide, and then, of course, we see the 
political up, upheaval in, in the U.S. And even now, <laughs> even right now, we see the Middle East, you know, the world, you know, it is shaking time. It's, it's, it's uh, a time of confusion. And I think, yeah. And even, as a matter of fact, I remember somebody said, why don't we just preach on, on the book of Revelation? Obviously, just like I said, in times of, of uh, confusion, people, you know, the Old Testament writers and New Testament writers would, would write something of that nature, apocalyptic uh, literature. So, uh, so I did that study. And, uh, and it is an exciting study. And uh, in this, we're going to do a series. We've promised to do this series. And obviously, there are all kinds of topics that we're going to deal with. The Antichrist, Armageddon, the beasts, and some people even ask about the one world government and all those things. We, we will deal with all those things. Now, the unfortunate thing about, about this and the caution that we need to know, because unfortunately, many Christians... Even students of the Bible, of the scripture, tend to link these or all the imageries from the book of Revelation uh, and biblical images to a, a particular event in church or world history. And uh, the danger of it, you know, unless you do proper research and do proper exegesis, like I always tell people, when you read the Bible, there are two possibilities. You can either read what you believe or believe what you read. The latter point is, is, is the point that, is, that we need to stick by. Because we tend to, when you read something, we, we have our presupposition and we read into this, the, the scripture. But actually the, the right thing to do is to actually believe what you read out of the scripture. Not read what you read into what you already believe. Yeah? So we're going to try to do that. And, uh, and that is not just, just uh, what people do now. You know, it happens throughout the history, that sort of reading into the text. And uh, unfortunately, wrong biblical perspective, especially in time, leads into a diabolical perspective. And we see Today, even when you look at the news and look at the, the social media, media and different, different churches, unfortunately, would prophesy, like, for example, last year about the, the, the election. And in, uh, it, it's, uh, it's sad to see many, many Christians call themselves prophets and they prophesy into the about the election of re-election of uh, Donald Trump and all those things. And Christians take sides on on uh, on political political bent and all those things and prophesy into it. It's it's crazy. But here's the thing: it's not this kind of way of looking into uh, apocalyptic uh, a prophesy uh, the book of prophecy. It's not just happen now. It happens throughout history. Yeah, so we're gonna look at some some of the the uh, historical errors in in concerning interpreting the Book of Revelation. Uh, 
All right. Let's let's for example, yeah, we look at the history. You know, in Revelation chapter sixteen, verse twelve, where it says, you know, Revelation six, verse twelve, where it says, the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water dried up. All this is to prepare the way of the kings from the east. Verse 13, And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beasts, and out of the mouth of the false prophets, three unclean spirits like frogs. Okay? So, it's prophesying of the drying up of the river Euphrates for the kings of the east to come. Now, here's the thing. Historical interpretation. During that time, the Western world was were troubled by, by the Turkish Ottoman Empire. And so he once constituted constitute that threat to the Western world from the east. All right? So they thought it must be the uh, Ottoman Empire from Turkey. And then after its fall, guess what? The next generation, the generation of war, uh, World War II, read the same scripture and interpret that as referring to Japan. <laughs> right? And of course, we all know Japan didn't make, didn't make it. They lost the war. So after the defeat of Japan and communist rise in China, so this title of kings of the East then transferred to China. So the result of this mistake is that we, we end up reapply and reapply the scripture or verse of a passage to fit our perception or historical understanding. Yeah, so we squeeze the scripture into what we think is, you know, in, into uh, history. The, real, the reality is human perspectives change. It, well, it's, that's what happened. And uh, because of that, if we are not careful, like I said, if we, if we read into the scripture, our interpretation changes according to time, whereas we need to read out of the scripture. So what happened is, because our perspective changes, now this is what, what scholars have, have, have recorded. He said, Revelation's imagery originally expresses an anti-imperial perspective, which is at that time, at the time of the writing, is the Roman Empire. But this perspective changed when Christianity then became, became a dominant religion of the Roman Empire. All right? From anti-imperial, anti then it changed. So by the year 313 AD, Constantine's uh, edict of uh, Milan established religious uh, toleration and Christianity eventually gained wide acceptance in the imperial world. So the whole, the whole understanding of from it changed from anti-imperial to they just tolerate the imperial. And then when it comes to the year 1000 to uh, the year 1500, the 
the era of the medieval. All right, let's move on to that. Now, by, by the year 1200 to 1300, a major development during this period was the anti-Pope uh, kind of uh, movement. And uh, so the reading of Revela you know, the reading of the Revelation, the book of Revelation, is sort of like oriented around that. So in the year 1298, a guy by the, by the name of uh, Peter John Oliver from France warned that the Antichrist will be the false pope who would reject the ideal of poverty. Because, because it is from the Franciscan uh, uh, theologian. They believe in poverty for Christianity. So, few years, few years later, in 1329, the guy by the name is of uh, Ubertino of Casale, he saw that that, that prediction of the anti uh, of the uh, false pope come into into fulfillment. So, the two one of the the popes, Pope uh, Benedict. Benedict XI was considered as the the Antichrist, and unfortunately, his name his name in Greek equal six six six. So they thought he is the Antichrist. That's the medieval. Okay, let's look at the the time of Reformation. I'm giving all this so that we understand, like. Unless we read from the Bible and get what, the, what, what, what it is in the Bible, that's, that is the trap that we will fall into. During the time of the movement of the new uh, of Reformation, okay, this time of Reformation, the Protestants saw, saw the Pope, the Pope as the Antichrist, while the Catholics saw Martin Luther. As the Antichrist. So the Antichrist is depend the Antichrist is whoever it is depends on which side of which side of the group you're, you're a part of. If you're Catholics, then you saw you would have uh, you would see Martin Luther as the, the Antichrist. And uh, and it just goes on and on and on. As a matter of fact, I remember when I first came to Australia and uh, in, in the 1980, 1980, you know, 19, yeah, in the 80s, early 80s. I remember one of the pastors were, was teaching the, the bank card, which is, which has that, that, that icon B, but in three different, whatever, three, three different level of B. And then it was interpreted as the bank card is the 666. <laughs> and uh, yeah. What's, what's even funny is that, uh, yeah, in the 80s, somebody actually came up with, this is true, somebody actually came up with the name Ronald Reagan, whatever, his, and his middle name, I can't remember, but, but apparently they tried to, to equate that to, oh, Ronald something Reagan is 666. Now, it just goes on. It goes on. So uh, we, this is the problem that we 
try to interpret the book of Revelation and squeeze it into what we think is, is in accordance with the history. All right? Rather, the message of, of the, uh, the, uh, the book of Revelation and the imagery is twofold. You know, this is what scholars uh, suggest. They said, and the message gives this, this, this us, uh, the, the book of Revelation gives us this message pretty much, that Christian of all ages, as agents of God's good news, who live as his holy people, number one, should expect opposition. Point number one. Point number two, despite all evidence which might suggest that evil has triumphed, the message of Revelation is that vindication from God is certain. Okay? Now let's let's just deal with, with this issue of eschatology. Eschatology is, is the study of the end time, from eschaton. Eschaton means last. So the study of the last, okay? Biblically speaking, from the Old Testament, Israel of the Old Testament saw the end time as marked by the coming of the Messiah. That's how they see end time. End time will be that, the coming of the Messiah. However, when Jesus came, they didn't recognize him, and they crucified him. All right, so they're still waiting for the Messiah because they believe it is marked by the end time. Now, here's the thing: those who believe in Jesus, for example, Peter, when they met the Messiah and understand the, the whole purpose of why Messiah was here, when he saw. You know, after seeing the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he understood that as the, that is the beginning of the last days. And we can see in his sermon in, in Acts chapter 2 when he preached on the day of Pentecost, the first sermon he you know, ever preached as a church, in the church, he quoted from Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 29, where he, he said that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Okay? Now, when I, that is a, a direct quote from, from a quotation from, from Joel chapter 2. And I look back in the, in the scripture, Joel chapter 2, where it says, Joel didn't say in the last days, he, said, he just said, after this, after the events that God is using, after this, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now, Peter took that scripture using the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He saw that as the, the marking of the last days. That's why he used, instead of saying, after this, he just said, he used the word, and in these last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So, uh, yeah, so the, 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 uh, the New Testament writers saw the coming of Jesus or after the resurrection of Jesus. That, that is the mark of the last days. That is the beginning of the last days. So, Another thing that is important in for reading uh, 
Revelation is that the seven seals, you know, we're going to deal with all the, the seals and, and the, all, all those things. Like The seven seals that is, that is written in the book of Revelation began to happen in John's time and onward. And unfolding and being fulfilled right through the church history to the time of the end. Okay? So, let me just get, get straight to it. This is the guideline of reading the book of Revelation. Okay? There are many interpretations of this book. Some are good. Some are okay. Some are not so okay or not so good. And some are just bad. So, let me give you, give, give you some guideline here. Like I said, you have to ask your question, question yourself a question. Am I reading what I believe or am I believe what I read out of the book? You have to believe what you read out of the book, not read what you believe, read into the book what you read. Okay? So the first thing is when uh, reading the book of Revelation. Okay? So just so, let, so that you know, by now, obviously, by now you know, this is the review of the whole book just to give you guidance here. So number one is the context of the writing, okay? The context of its writing. Geographically speaking, the book was written in Asia by John who was exiled in the island of Patmos. It was written during the reign of Domitian, which is the end of the first century, at a time where the cult worship of emperor was thriving. In other words, people worship the emperor as a, as a deity. Okay? So the context of the writing, and number one. Number two, to whom is it written to? Well, if you read the scripture that we read before in chapter 1, verse 4, it says it is written to the seven churches in Asia, which is uh, a Roman province, okay? Asia is a Roman province. So it, it is written to those people, just like Paul said, Paul the Apostles to the people of Corinth, to the Corinthians. So it was written for a specific people. Now point number three is uh, the purpose of the book, okay? Like I mentioned before, that in, in the first point, that the cult of emperor worship was flourishing in Asia, which is a province of Roman Empire. And uh, so at the time of the writing of this book, okay, listen to this. Everyone in this part of the world hated Christians because they were the only group of people. There are many communities there, but the Christians were the only group of people who would not succumb to the pressure to worship the emperor. And their stance is this. Yes, Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's, but we will not render to Caesar what is God's. So that was their stance. So the result then, the church in all its fragility was headed for a showdown with the state in all its strength. Like the showdown is about to happen. Pretty much a showdown between good and evil. So John 
writing this thing is to reveal what is to come you know, and what is immediately going to happen to the churches. So the purpose of this, the writing of this book is not to satisfy you and I, our, our curiosity of, about the detailed course of the future events, but rather to prepare and encourage this group of churches, seven churches, you know, if you read verse 1, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 4, to encourage this group of churches who God saw as ill-prepared and ill-equipped spiritually to face the future in which their faith will be tested to the max. So God pretty much realized there's got to be a showdown between the, the state and the church, and the churches weren't ready for it. At the same time, the revelation that John received and how the sequence of the immediate and ultimate future e events and the way they are laid out, when you read the book of Revelation, it's like, as I studied this, I realized it, the, the most exciting part in, in, in finding the, in the book of Revelation is that what was about to take place the message, that, the message that John is trying to communicate is that God's in control. Yeah. God's in control. So here's the thing. So we've, we've the context of his writing, we've tackled the audience, the intended audience, or the intended readers to whom it is written for or to, and the purpose of the book to prepare the church, those churches, the seven churches. And now, the themes of the book. There are two, two major themes of this book. Theme number one is very, very obvious. When you, the opening word of the opening verse of the opening chapter, first word of the first verse of the first chapter is, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay? So in other words, if you read the book of Revelation, you need to know, how do I know Jesus better in re by reading this book? And I'll just give you three, three sort of uh, major points. Jesus is present, presented in three different ways in this book. Number one, he's presented as the victorious, glorified, and resurrected Son of Man and Head of the Church. That's in chapter 1, verse 12, to chapter 4, verse 1. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this more in more detail. This is, like I said, this is just a review. Okay? Second, he is as the mighty white horse rider in the final battle. That's how Jesus is presented or revealed, which is in chapter 19, verse 11 to verse 21. Now, the third one is, which is the rest of the book. So that was just like few, two chapters and, you know, and a half a chapter or something like that. But for the rest of the book, Jesus is presented in the past tense form, grammatically, as the lamb that was slain. As the lamb, lamb that was slain. And of course, few mention of him as the Lion of Judah. Okay? 
So that's the revelation of Jesus Christ. As the, uh, the resurrected son, son of man, as the, the mighty horse rider in the final battle, but the majority of the presentation of Jesus, Jesus is revealed in this book as the lamb that has been slain. The next thing is, the second theme, is that the triumph of the church. And that tribe of the church is written in chapter 12, verse 11, where it says, you know, they, the believers, the saints, they defeated the enemy, the devil, Satan himself, by the word of their testimony, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and loving not their lives even unto death. As if to say, just as Jesus triumphed through death, the church too will triumph through not loving their lives, even unto death. This is what, 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 what is exciting when you we will deal with this more. But just to let you know, in John's letter to the seven churches, in every one of them, Jesus says, to him who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me in my throne. To all the seven churches, to him who conquers or is victorious, I will grant him. So it's like the, the letter to the, we will deal with this, but the letter to the seven churches gives warning to prepare the church, but it is actually an invitation to come, an, an invitation to conquer, to become a conquering people or, or conquering church. So that's it. That's the message of, of the, uh, the, uh, the letter of the book of Revelation to these seven churches. Message from Jesus. An, invita an invitation to be conquerors. Now, I want to deal with, with this, this thing. Obviously, there are many different uh, perspectives on, on, of uh, on the book of Revelation. There is futuristic uh, uh, approach. That it's all about the future. There is historical uh, uh, approach, but it's just history. But I think the book of Revelation is both, both uh, futuristic and, and historical. Okay? And we will talk more about this. I will give you give more explanation. You know, maybe Diane, myself, and others might, might we will get will share this. But when you look at the uh, uh, verse, chapter one, verse one, where John was commanded to write and listen to this. In uh, chapter one, verse one, it said, and verse nineteen actually. Uh, John was commanded to, uh, by, by the Lord to, to write this, and this is the commandment. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, in other words, the past, what you have seen, those that are to take place, or the, those, that, those that are now, and those that are to take place after this. So it is futuristic in that 
for 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 John, the writing to the uh, you know to the seven churches is futuristic, but the immediate future what will soon take place. And uh, but also it gives the final moment of the world history with the ultimate hope of the church, which is marked by the new heaven and new earth in chapter 21, verse 1. So it, John was writing what, was, what he has seen and what is taking place at the time of writing, but also he gives the ultimate end, perspective of the ultimate end, what, what will happen, which is the new heaven and the new earth. Okay? So... This is the thing, and, and when you read the, the, uh, the, uh, the book of Revelation, I want to encourage you to just read it, because the Bible says, you know, blessed are those who read this book out loud, like, you know, loudly. So if you want to be blessed, read the book of Revelation, because that is the promise, right? But if the book of Revelation being the, the kind of uh, apocalyptic uh, literature, it's filled with Vision and symbols. Now, here's the thing that we, we need to know. We, we, you know, we need to know when John wrote this thing, as a man who is highly equipped with the Old Testament scripture and imagery. The presentation of some of the the, the images in the Book of Revelation is pretty much what he got from from the Book of Daniel, Ezekiel. Zechariah, or Old Testament prophets, even some of the things he wrote, uh, it's almost like alluding to to uh, the the uh, pestilence that happened or the plagues in in uh, in Egypt. So, uh, so uh, the uh, when when he received the instruction to write this, you know, as a matter of fact, he received that instruction twelve times. Write this. He wrote pretty much a lot of those things. As a matter of fact, even from Isaiah, you know, some of the images are from the Old Testament, Old Testament uh, writers. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. The big difference between John's writing to the other Jewish writing in the Old Testament is that the Old Testament writings, in their writing, they, they were pointing out to the ultimate victory in the end, like at the very end, what the ultimate victory is. John, on the other hand, in his writing, he presents victory as the beginning of the progress. Like, the victory is our beginning. How? Through the Lamb of God that has been slain. It is a present reality for God's church to enter into while being in this world. That is the presentation of the victory for the church. Powerful. This is an exciting book. As I studied this book, I thought, wow, this is exciting. But like I said, just as the Lamb of God conquered through death, so too. Revelation 12, verse 11. They defeated the enemy by the blood of the Lamb 
the word of their testimony, and loving not their lives, even unto death. Mm. So this is my conclusion. The way that the writing of this book is structured shows the readers that the promise of the reality of the church to be a conquering church is a sure promise. And uh, a command for the church to get their act together is like, yes, the promise is there, but they need to get their act together. And then, what is exciting as you read the the uh, the uh, the book after John sending his letter to to all the seven churches in uh, chapter four, it says that John then was commanded by the Spirit, "Come with me." And in that story, John said, "I was in the Spirit, and he was caught up in the in the heavenly realm, in the Spirit." And uh, he, he went into, into the throne room and it was in that throne room that it was revealed to him when all the seals were in us, when the seals started to be opened, when he saw what was about to happen. Like pretty much the rest of the book of Revelation and the, the things that were, that were taking place, he saw it from that throne room. And my thing is like it was as if, as if God was saying saying to John, "Listen, things are gonna get to get tough for the church. They will be victorious, and they're gonna be all kinds of things happening. But I want to, I want you to see it from our perspective, from heaven, what is taking place, and uh, and even we'll get more into this. But even the fact that when John came to 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 that heavenly realm where they were worship and uh, and uh, one of the one of the creatures said no one is worthy to open open the seal only the lamb of god in other words it was the lamb of god that opened the seal and then things start to happen the message that that, that, that I read from there is this as if they were saying John, we want you to see it from our perspective. And when you see it, you know we're in control. As a matter of fact, we set the agenda. Because as a matter of fact, the Lamb of God, Jesus himself, that set the agenda, it was after he opened the seal that things started to happen. So what (laughs) the message is that what God is trying to communicate to John is like, we're in control. We decide when it's happening, what's going to happen, and when it will happen. Jesus decided that. And the church is in the midst of that. And that invitation for the church is, yeah, if you, you have the Lamb of God, the, the blood of the Lamb, hold on to your testimony. And uh, if you're willing to to stay with it even if it costs your life, lay down your life, that is the triumph of the church. So if I can say that the, uh, the 
the content of of the uh, the book of Revelation is the triumph of the church, not the triumph of the Lamb, because the Lamb already triumphed through death and resurrection. Now, the church is to take part into that victorious, just as Christ was victorious, Jesus is inviting the church to take part in that victory, his victory becoming our victory by us not loving our lives even unto death. We're going to talk about all other stuff, the Armageddon, what it is, and uh, and uh, the, the beast, uh, the 666, all those things. We will clarify all those things. Yep, time is going to be tough, but God will show us how we will overcome. God bless you guys. And here's the thing. I want you to read the book of Revelation, even if you don't understand completely. But the promise in in the in 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 the, the opening chapter of the of the of the book is that blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. Bless you guys. God is good. We are victorious. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your people. Amen.